0: Welcome to the Stone Church Podcast, a series of conversations inspired by Sunday messages we hope will spark your curiosity and encourage you in your faith journey.
1: My name is Ashley Palmer, and I'm speaking with Pastor Alex Rowe, our Associate Pastor of Worship, Creative Arts, and Media, and we are currently recording here in the Jim Granger Studio. Earlier this year, Pastor Alex preached a message entitled Spiritus Sancti, and over the next few episodes, we are going to dive deep into some of the Pentecostal distinctives raised in that message. But before we do, I think it would be great to start with, what does in nomine patris et fili et Spiritus Sancti mean?
0: Well, in short, it's Latin, but most of us would be. Uh, I guess, more familiar with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In its entirety, especially in the Latin, it's not a phrase that we would expect to hear at Stone Church on a Sunday morning. But for many of our brothers and sisters who come from a more traditional faith expression, they would be quite familiar with it.
1: I feel a deep urge to say amen after hearing those words, in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, Alex, for those listeners who haven't grown up in the church, or maybe those who have but aren't really aware of the various denominations or expressions of the Christian faith, can you elaborate on what you mean when you say more traditional faith expressions versus us at Stone Church being more Pentecostal?
0: The difference would be that the Pentecostal Church is actually quite a young church expression. The Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada wasn't officially founded until 1919. Uh, We can trace our roots back to the Azusa Street Revival in Los Angeles. Uh, And if you recall the message I gave in November last year called, What Are You Waiting For? Then you remember that Stone Church can draw a straight line from the Azusa Street Revival to current day. So what makes us different? Well, Christian churches are defined by these essential dogma. First is the Bible is God's word. Second is in the Holy Trinity. Third is the divinity of Jesus Fourth is we are saved by faith in Jesus. And fifth is eternal life. So whether Catholic, Lutheran, Methodist, Baptist, or Pentecostal, we all have these things in common. Where we differ is in the emphasis on the work of the Holy Spirit. There are more ways where we differ from other denominations, of course, but what sets us apart really is this emphasis.
1: So what, um, what's an easy way that you would explain it to be Pentecostal?
0: Um, Well, I think this means that we believe and have the understanding that the work of the Holy Spirit isn't discounted or irrelevant, but rather an integral part of our faith expression that emphasizes the direct and personal experience of God through baptism of the Holy Spirit. Our faith movement is built on this spirit empowerment, and the power we receive through the baptism of the Holy Spirit is one that we can't ignore.
1: Mm I remember in my pre-Jesus life, not so long ago, seeing people just growing up, you know, when you'd be in a church or on TV, they'd be, you know, doing the cross symbol with their hands over, you know, their chest in, in a cross saying, you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And I never really understood what that meant. And, you know, I still don't know where that came from, but it's really cool um, looking in hindsight, not having any idea of what those words really meant, but now to be fully living and breathing it. It's crazy.
0: Well, in truth, there is nothing wrong with not knowing why we do some of the things that we do. When it comes to faith, I would make the argument that it only becomes a problem when you know why. Why? And you don't share in our beliefs, but still continue to do the X thing. It's why we explain what communion is every time we take part together here at Stone. So that people understand that this isn't just something that you do at church, but it holds significance. And you shouldn't take part if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus.
1: Mm -hmm. So if we go back little Alex, little Pastor Alex was brought up in the uh, Korean Presbyterian Church, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I recount in your message this great moment when you first saw someone who was baptized in Holy Spirit worshipping it in what I would say would be an interesting way. Um, Tell us more about that.
0: Yeah, so um, let's say that I was brought up in the Presbyterian faith with the Korean emphasis. So what that means is that We were as stoic as the Vulcans and as weary of outsiders as the Romulans. And if you're a Star Trek fan, you know exactly what I'm talking about. (laughs) But nary a hand be raised in worship, let alone a hallelujah, and anything more than a side-to-side shuffle, maybe even clapping your hands, and you'd be branded an evangelical. And if you're Korean and you're listening to this podcast, my apologies for letting our secrets be known. But I remember specifically one Sunday morning... A new person came to the English-speaking service, as we called it. On the outside, he was one of us. He was a Korean, he was a Christian, but then he let this thing slip. During worship, we could hear him speaking in a language that was definitely not English and definitely not Korean. And it was completely new and, and something that none of us had really experienced before. So I asked my parents about it, and they told me that it was the gift of tongues. So they knew enough um, to be able to identify what it was, but they honestly just didn't understand it. What they told me was, is that it's when you lose control of your mouth and words just come out. And God bless my parents, because like I said, they, they really did try um, their best to explain the gift of tongues, but they just didn't know what it was. They didn't understand it. And truthfully, the, the church feared it. So this new person um, didn't last long in our church. His word quickly spread about uh, the gift that he had, and, and he left shortly after. And I could only speculate as to what the rumors were, because I myself, when I left the Korean community, um, experienced the, <laughs> the, the mill of the, the, the gossip in our church, and I can only imagine what was said about him.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, firstly, I'm really sorry that happened to you. You know, God brought you here, and I think for that, we're all very grateful. And God never wastes a hurt, and um, we can see that in this situation. Now, in my short time of following Jesus, I hear a common story of people in more traditional churches um, and with unbelievers, of course, who experience certain gifts of the Holy Spirit being ostracized or ridiculed.
0: Well, if you think about it, It really shouldn't be all that surprising to hear that that's a common theme among people who don't come from an evangelical church expression, who experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit. People are still people, and generally speaking, people are still fearful of things that they don't understand. And so people's natural reaction to fear is to remove or even attack the source of that fear.
1: So would you say it's true that, you know, this shunning of that visitor, um, that this was a big game changer for you and your faith?
0: Yeah, so the short answer is yes. Uh, It wasn't that specific incident that pushed me to question my faith. It was one of a few that drove me to make my faith my own. Um, But it was this experience that opened my eyes to spirit empowerment and um, the book of Acts. And so when I left, um, I went to a Pentecostal church to learn more. And it actually took years of praying and asking to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and and someone actually speaking and praying over me to recognize that I had a block. And it was one that was um, deeply rooted in my upbringing. It wasn't uh, until I was able to identify and and repent of that blockage that I was able to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit myself.
1: (laughs) Okay. So (laughs) I'm feeling personally convicted here. (laughs) I just may have a block to receive the gift of tongues uh, due to noise. Uh, It's funny because if you know me, you know I talk a lot. (laughs) So it's surprising to me that I don't have that gift of tongues. But, you know, I, I do find that, you know, when I'm alone and I'm at home, I do... Tend to keep my prayers internal. Um, and maybe that is because I talk all day. <laughs> but um, yeah, I have yet to speak in tongues. You know, I may also just not receive that that gift and, and that's totally okay because tongues isn't the, the be all and end all of Holy Spirit. It's just a part of it. So Alex, how would you explain in simple terms what it's like to experience Holy Spirit?
0: Uh, so first, let me just say that Um, I had a block because of the church expression that I was raised in and the teaching that I received from it. I'm not saying that you have or don't have a block in your Mm -hmm. life, but mine was very specifically tied to that. Mm -hmm. So experiencing the Holy Spirit was uh, a phrase that would never have been uttered in the church I grew up in. Uh, Experiencing God was very common, but Holy Spirit was almost downplayed. Um, But we know from scripture that the Holy Spirit is a gift we receive from God when we accept him into our lives. Mm. He tells us that he'll send us a constant companion. And there's a difference between the baptism of the Holy Spirit and receiving the Holy Spirit at conversion. Have you ever had an experience where you felt like you should take a different way home or maybe you felt like you, you really needed to apply for this certain job or Uh, maybe even more incredible experiences like hearing someone telling a story and just knowing that they weren't being completely honest or you just knew that someone needed to get a phone call so you dialed them up and you had this like incredibly deep and meaningful conversation with them well uh, maybe you felt the urgency to pray and later found out that the person you were praying for was in this like incredible time of need and in desperation at that exact moment and so Most people can choose to chalk it up to intuition or some other rational explanation, Uh, but I would challenge and say that um, you've been following the prompting of the Holy Spirit working in your life.
1: I really like how you distinguish it being different than just intuition because I feel like we can be so quick to rely on assumptions like intuition or, dare I say, coincidences. But all things happen for a reason. You know, God is truly the one in charge. And, you know, we generally aren't as powerful and self-reliant as we think we are, at least not in the long term. This is where (laughs) IQCR Celebrate Recovery. Just kidding. There are some incredible accounts of the way Holy Spirit has prompted people to act or respond to situations. So let's go there a bit because I love a good personal experience to get me stirred up, and I'm sure our listeners do too.
0: Uh, so I actually shared a, this story in the message. Uh, it's, a, it's a story that I heard from a friend of mine who was recounting a story of one of his missionary friends. Um, he was on a trip to South America Um, to try and reach these cannibalistic tribes and and tell them the good news of Christ. And on his way between villages, he got tired and he decided to camp for the night. And despite being alone in the jungle in the dead of night, he felt peace and just slept soundly. And when he woke up the next morning, he made his way to the next village and, and found the people there were strangely curious about him, about this visitor that had just walked in there was this air of caution as they spoke to him. And as he spoke to them and and kind of drew the information out of them, he found out that um, the night before he arrived, uh, the villagers had heard that he was coming, and a lot of them had decided that they're going to go out and kill him before he could reach their village. Uh, But as they approached his campsite, his attackers were met by 12 men who defended him, and warded off his would be assassins. So when he reached the village the next day, everyone wanted to meet the man that was so well guarded. But he told them that he traveled alone, um, but he was never truly alone because God was with him. And he preached the gospel message, and the, the village gave their lives to Christ that day. Amen. Well, the next opportunity that he had, he called back home to his church to tell them the great news of his success and the incredible story of his protection. And he recounted his experience, and as his pastor told him, um, that they already knew. The night that he would have been murdered, the pastor and 11 other members of his church woke up in the middle of the night and felt as though they just had to go to the church to pray. So off they went, 12 members of his church who were obedient to the prompting of the Lord, prompting of the Holy Spirit, gathered and prayed for protection for their missionary friend. And he knew as his pastor told him all of this, that it wasn't 12 men, but it was 12 angels who were protecting him that night.
1: That is incredible. So many people don't think that miracles happen anymore, in that you know God doesn't move in such great ways, but he truly does. I mean, we all have different relationships and experiences with God. And just because we don't see the miracles happen regularly or at all just doesn't mean that they don't happen. It's all up to God how he reveals himself to each of us individually.
0: Yeah. I mean, incredible stories are written and told each and every single day as believers listen and obey the direction of God. And today, many of us feel as though God doesn't speak to us anymore. Um, But no, most of us don't hear God's voice as they did in the Old Testament, but he still speaks to us today.
1: Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I can speak from my own experience in that if there's a lot of noise and I'm having a hard time being still and quiet, it, it's harder to hear from him. Um, it's, you know, that still small voice we have to pay attention and and calm ourselves for, you know? Now, I think we're going to wrap it up here. But as a teaser for next week, as we continue our series on Spiritus Sancti, we're going to be talking about how Jesus told the disciples he was sending the Holy Spirit. Pastor Alex, I think it would be great if we finished off this episode with prayer. Mm-hmm. Would you mind praying for us?
0: Of course, Father God, we just thank you for um, this time to to dig into um, this message, spiritual sanctity, and Lord, um, we're, we're grateful for the message. We're grateful for the gift. Um, we're um, looking forward to diving in deeper, God, and just exploring what it means to to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, to be spirit led, um, and God to to receive. Um, just that empowerment um, from your Holy Spirit. And so God, um, we thank you um, for this way to be able to to share this message through this medium, through this platform. And um, we just pray all of this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Stone Church Podcast. For more information about the Christian faith and Stone Church, visit us online at stonechurch.ca.